Hi, I'm Greg from Omaha. I'm Michael from Baltimore. Hey, I'm Dave from Portland, Oregon. The Sound of Young America is produced independently and supported by listeners like you and me. If you'd like to support the show like I did, just visit MaximumFun.org slash donate. It's The Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. One of our favorite guests on The Sound of Young America is the singer-songwriter Jonathan Colton. The first time he joined us five years or so ago, he'd recently had his first child and celebrated the occasion by uh, quitting his well-paid and very steady management job in the IT industry to pursue music full-time. For a year, he recorded a new song every week, recording them uh, and releasing them for free on the web, and he built a following that made him uh, since then become one of the most successful, completely independent musicians in the world. He sells his songs, uh, which can also be downloaded freely on his website. He hosts his own fan crews, and he headlines shows in front of tens of thousands of screaming fans of a song he wrote for a video game and other shows. His fans even make their own videos for his songs, which mix the personal and the comic book absurd and find pathos and laughs in in very far-flung and unusual subject matters. His new album, Artificial Heart, is in some ways his first. It's his first venture into traditional record recording, in a real recording studio making an old-fashioned LP with a producer. It's a turn to the very traditional from a songwriter with a very unconventional career. Colton joins me from his home studio in Brooklyn, New York City, and also joining me from his home studio is the producer of the album Artificial Heart, John Flansburg. Flansburg, of course, is half of another rock act that isn't afraid to mix a little laughter in with their sincerity and aesthetic experimentation. They might be giants. Jonathan Colton, John Flansburg, welcome back to The Sound of Young America. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. So, Jonathan Colton, um, you have had a really remarkable success with this odd kind of model, which is you just kind of have put out songs when you record them and given them away for free and also sold them, uh, just sort of said, hey, you should buy this, although you can get it for free. And sort of occasionally collected them onto USB sticks and things like that. Uh, Why did you want to do the old-fashioned 1975, like, hole up in the Hollywood Hills with, um, you know, Phil Spector style of recording a record? (laughs) Well, you know, I I grew up with albums. I mean, I, I am still of the generation that that's how you bought music in album form. Um, so I have many fond memories of, you know, staring at a bunch of liner notes and listening to songs in a particular order and, uh, a group of songs that captured what that band was doing at that time. It's a, it's a really nice form, I think. Um, but I think more, more important was that I really felt like I needed, uh, a kick in the pants to do something that was challenging, creatively challenging, and maybe a little risky. I hadn't felt a lot of real creative risk in a while. So uh, when John, when I opened for They Might Be Giants and John Flansburg said to me at the end of our, our run together uh, that he, you know, I, he, he thought I should make an album and he thought he should produce it. I said, well, that sounds completely terrifying. And so, yeah, let's do it. Let's hear a little bit of the opening track of the album, which is called Artificial Heart. This song 
is uh, I, I I like it because it is so aesthetically different from the uh, solo guitar home studio uh, aesthetic of of so many of your previous records. It's called "Sticking It to Myself." I'm right here, and I heard everything you said. Those things to try and get inside my head. I had no idea that this whole thing was your pitch to Jonathan. Um, what made you think that you that you wanted him to do this real old-fashioned thing? You, you know, hearing his recordings and seeing him perform live, just the, the actual musicality of his stuff was very dazzling to me. And uh, I just thought... You know, there are not a lot of transferable skill sets that you get for being in a alternative rock band for 30 years. But producing is, I feel like, is one of them. You know, I, I actually, I, I felt like I could be of service. So, um, you know, just as sort of a sounding board and an editor and, uh, you know, and, and help with the arrangements and just a sort of navigate through the uh, a more a more elaborate process. I mean, truth be told... Most of the album, or half the album, is actually impossibly small productions. I don't. I don't think you know. I wouldn't say any track is indicative of the the whole album. Um, you know, sticking to myself is a very you know has a lot of bluster to it, and a, and just a lot of a lot of hands on deck. But um, I think I think with this project, the idea was just to make every arrangement, every recording, very specific. John, I think that in your 30 year career as as half of they might be giants you've sort of benefited from just kind of thinking of an interesting thing and then trying it out i mean just just the past 10 years your your most recent record is a uh, sort of classic uh, adult rock and roll alternative rock album but you've had a bunch of albums that were very successful that were for kids that w- is something that was just like I'm sure just one day the two of you were like, what if we made a, an album for kids? Yeah, that was pretty much the the, the gimmick. Um, you, you know, we try things out. I don't think we necessarily invest as much in the ideas that we're trying out. Um, you know, we didn't, we never made CD-ROMs. So, so we, we, we dodged that bullet. But uh, you never uh, hooked up with Voyager Interactive to make something for the CDI. Yeah, exactly. So, so, so I, I think just be, you know being open to emerging technology is not um, is not necessarily as brave as it might seem from a distance. Um, I, I, I guess that there are things about just generationally where I'm coming from that I, I just I just feel like it's important not to be too uh too scared of technology you know too scared of what a lot a lot of people in rock music are actually surprisingly um you know 
they believe in black boxes, but they don't necessarily think that they can. Um, there's a lot of backwards-looking stuff in, in rock, to be sure. You know, it's a very orthodox kind of culture. It's the sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guests are Jonathan Colton and John Flansburg. They're old friends of the show who are working together. Flansburg, who's in They Might Be Giants, produced Colton's new album, which is called Artificial Heart. Wire and glass and stainless steel Now I can imagine how I feel Jonathan, one of the things that is typical of your work and um, kind of unusual in the world of singer-songwriter Ines is that you often write from the perspective of a character and, and you often write from, I, I guess, what I might describe as a premise. Is that sure. right? Is that, a, is that a fair way to describe it? Which, yeah. is, which is so weird in the world of uh, sweet people with acoustic guitars, which you also are. Um, it, it's very unusual to have that rather than just um, maybe writing from, I guess, a feeling, just happy or sad, lonely. Yeah. Well, I, I, find that, I find that writing from a feeling is... I mean, you know, look, what you're trying to accomplish is you're trying to communicate something that resonates in some emotional way with the listener. I mean, that's usually what you're trying to do when you're writing a song. And for me, you know, the moment I start writing uh, Boy is Sad Because Girl Doesn't Love Him song, uh, I, I, it starts to feel really inauthentic, even if it's true. Even if I'm writing something, you know, that's directly about me. If I frame it in that way, if I approach it in that way, it seems impossibly trite and meaningless. Um, whereas, you know, I learned somewhere along the way that when I started from a completely different direction, when I started with a, a crazy premise or with a, uh, a hateful character uh, uh, or, you know, some, something that distracted me from the goal, um, I would... I would end up gravitating toward something that was really authentic and true. So, you know, all the all the songs that I have about giant squids and mad scientists, you know, I'm sure are really about me. Um, and but I could never have written them if I had known that they were about me when I was starting them. Uh, so it's sort of a for me, it sort of functions as a as a backdoor into into authenticity. I was listening to this uh, song on the new album called uh, Glasses, and it's a very personal love song in a way, but it also feels like it was, and, and you can tell me a little bit about how you wrote it, like it was maybe built around a, an idea, a, a little fragment of a thing that helped you find something that was about you yeah i mean that song for me started with the with the line i like you in glasses which just seemed like a very sweet thing to say to somebody and you know i i was thinking about uh 
I had just had my 10th wedding anniversary. I had recently turned 40. Am I allowed to say that? Am I allowed to say that I turned 40? <laughs> not on the sound of young America, my friend. <laughs> on public radio, you're not allowed to say that you're younger than 40. <laughs> oh, good. Oh, so I'm just now in. That's good. Um, so, you know, I had been thinking a lot about milestones and, you know, measuring my actual day-to-day life against some imagined day-to-day life, given those milestones. And, you know, thinking about the completely chaotic and bizarre life of a <laughs> they have a happily monogamous dad uh, of two kids with a wife that he loves very much, but not enough time to do everything. And, you know, I, the, the, the fabric of a functioning relationship and family is, is really, really complicated. You know, it's sort of like if it works, it's a miracle. And you don't even really understand how it works. It's just all these little pieces of things, none of which you really planned or expected, and they somehow add up uh, to something that is really valuable. So that, that's sort of what I was thinking about in that song. And yeah, it all, it all, came, all came from glasses, because we all have to wear glasses now, because we're old. But let's hear a little bit of that song from my guest Jonathan Colton's new album, Artificial Heart. Shed the days like skin, pray for evenings in. Hold their hands in the street when you walk them off to school. A box too full to shut, a cardboard paper cut, the bleeding edge of a picture of your parents when they were cool. So much to say, I forget to start. There goes the day fading as it passes. Forget the gray, let it fall apart. It's okay. That seems like a theme on this record. It crops up a few times. The sort of the the responsibilities and challenges and also comforts of being a real adult. Yeah, I I think uh, that is not something that I intended to be writing about over and over again, but I think that is a lot of what what ended up coming coming out of me, um, and it's uh, you know the <laughs> at, at, a, at a couple of different points, John Flansburg would say to me, you know, you know, all these songs are <laughs> kind of dark. You need some happy ones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, you know, for this record, I just wrote I just wrote the stuff that I wanted to write, like always, and it happens. To, I think it does happen to have come out a little differently, but uh, you know, I I am still really really excited and 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 proud of it because it, it, uh, I don't know. It, it's, it's from, it's from me. It's very, it's a very honest record, I think. And I'm really happy with it. You know, seeing, seeing the album evolve over, over the year that, uh, you were writing it. One thing that struck me is that you kind of took the unreliable narrator quality of your previous work and, and sort of turned it on yourself in this kind of Philip Roth like manner where it, you know, the album could be called "I Jonathan Colton," and it would be about as direct and authentic as a book called "I Philip Roth." You know, it's <laughs> it's it is uh, it is mysterious and, and and unreliable in those ways. It's you know, the, they're the characters that are in the songs are not necessarily it. It has the. Uh, what is the, what is that term? Hand feel. They say that in Project Runway. Um, no, it, it, it has it has the qualities of singer songwriter stuff, 
but it definitely is, you know, in that uh, fourth dimension of, of Jonathan Colton-ness. John Flansburg as the producer of this Jonathan Colton record. I just like hearing you say it, Jesse. Do you, uh, <laughs> do you have a song on this album that, that you think exemplifies that kind of distinctive, twisted perspective on the self? Oh, I, well, I think the the uh, the duet with uh, John Roderick, the song, the Nemesis song, actually has got a kind of bridges the the the, the previous in version, you know, Jonathan Colton 1.0 with with the new album. It's an amazing smile. Even the suit has teeth. Everything flash and guile. Nothing underneath except a small black. Jonathan Colton and his producer John Flansburg when we come back. It's the Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org and PRI, Public Radio International. Production of the Sound of Young America is supported in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered online at ask.metafilter.com. It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guests are the singer-songwriter Jonathan Colton, whose new album is called Artificial Heart, and the producer of that album, uh, John Flansburg, uh, who is also half of the band They Might Be Giants. So, Jonathan, I want to ask you about uh, this thing that went down on the Internet a couple months ago. Um, and maybe it's old news in Jonathan Colton world by now, but... Um, you mean the public radio fiasco? Yeah, exactly. The, the great public radio fiasco. <laughs> so the, the brilliant public radio producers at the uh, public radio show Planet Money, or public radio production outfit and podcast Planet Money, uh, did a story about the unusual way that Jonathan has, has built his career and some of the things that we've talked about in this show and had to... Uh, two music writers on the program to discuss whether or not it was something that was replicable. And the piece, I, I know that um, uh, I was kind of upset when I heard the piece um, because it, it, in some ways, trivialized uh, Jonathan's work. It, it, was, it was compared to the Snuggie. The central metaphor was the Snuggie, and is the Snuggie replicable? In that it's something that no one knew that they wanted or needed, but then they found it, and blah, 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 blah. Well, this is, this is what I th- thought about when I heard about this whole kerfuffle, because I know a lot of people were, you know, reacted very negatively. And this is John Flansburg, not the person who, who, to whom this happened. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, no, it didn't. No, but I, it was upsetting to me just because it's, you know, Jonathan's album is coming out right now. And this is kind of the like background radiation to the whole the whole project. But I, I feel I feel like just on behalf of songwriters everywhere, it's too easy to say, oh, you're just marketing yourself because the truth of the matter is like you can't market stuff that people don't actually respond to. Like it doesn't matter how much 
money is behind it, how much, you know, how clever the vehicle is. The truth of the matter is like audiences are, are fickle. I think the amazing thing about Jonathan's career, when you look at it from a distance, is that he's had so much success without any extra stuff attached to it. Like there's been nothing, no machine behind him. No, you know, we're not talking about like Justin Bieber, who appears to be viral but it's actually like part of a epic marketing plan it's actually much it's much more um direct than that he actually has just written songs that capture people's imaginations and therefore are beloved i'll take that i'll take that compliment <laughs> that's that sounds like an accurate assessment of it i mean you know i the yeah i mean the thing that was disappointing about that was that they you know i think they focused on the on the subject, the subject matter uh, as being a niche that, you know, which, this doesn't even make any sense. But, well, who they kept saying, like, Ooh, who else is going to exploit this niche? Nobody. You, which, you mean they, 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 that it's like a novelty? Yeah, the sort of novelty, maybe nerdy angle, that stuff, you know. And, and the, you know, which completely misses the point, which I think you, you said very well, is that, you know, the, really any – anybody's goal who is who is writing songs wants to write songs that get people's attention and there are a million different ways you can do that and uh i i have tried all of them and some of them worked and <laughs> you know that's sort of that's sort of where it stops i and i i think it was just they you know those writers just sort of missed the missed the point of what could have been a much more interesting discussion i think about you know the changing nature of the the music industry well, that in and of itself seems like a real 2002 kind of story to me. I mean, there is no music industry left except the Internet. So what? Yeah, well, that, that's a good point, too. And maybe that's maybe that's why they went there is they felt like that ground had already been covered. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, there's a there was a part of that. And, and you guys can correct me if if you feel like I'm wrong, that these these commentators were. um, were saying something like both this is just a novelty and this is just for geeks in a way that someone wouldn't say, you know, no one would say Bruce Springsteen is just for working class guys from New Jersey. Well, or they, they might Colin, though. I mean, Colin I think Malloy the truth of the matter is, is, you know, hair metal bands suffer with being called hair metal bands. You know, I, it, it, everybody, a lot of people in music want to be taken more seriously and they want to control the way people respond to them. And at a certain point, you, you know, if you're a, a mature adult, you just kind of let that idea go. Did that part of it, did that, and I mean, I'm like, I'm a guy who doesn't really even self-identify as a geek, but I still felt stung by that. Yeah, you know, the, the concept of geek is, is, has become so broad and so broadly applied, I think that it's become it's losing a lot of its meaning as a and as a as a way of distinguishing one person from another. Is it, isn't like calling yourself a geek sort of the cultural the male cultural equivalent of dressing up as a sexy witch for Halloween for women? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. I mean, everybody, all women dress up as, as sexy witches for yeah, Halloween. It's Halloween. What, it's the go-to costume. Yeah. Yeah, and I think I think that uh, you know more and more geek has come to mean enthusiastic person who uses computers, and that's kind of all of us now. So you know, <laughs> well, except I don't know. for the I... deeply embittered people who use computers. <laughs> well, there are a few. There are a few of them for sure. 
John Flansburg, um, again, is the producer of this record. I, I keep asking you to pick songs just because it's, uh, it, it feels less like I'm putting, putting uh, Jonathan in a situation where he's got to choose amongst his babies. Do you have a favorite, do you have a favorite song that is um, on this record that's funny, but the funniness doesn't come from jokiness? Well, uh, you know, uh, one of the first songs we worked on was uh, this track um, called Today With Your Wife, which is um, uh, not in any way funny, and it is uh, just an, a completely original kind of song. I, I guess the premise, just the, the the title, Today With Your Wife, is kind of jarring because you're thinking, well, that's kind of a inappropriate title. You know, he's t- obviously talking about somebody else's wife. Um, but what's really great is that the song actually follows through on the idea. And it's not um, it's not risque. It's just it, it really is just about uh, the complexity of adult relationships. I had a great time today with your wife under an awning. We had to stop there and wait for a while Because it was raining And we talked about you Till the storm had passed through You should have been It's the sound of young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guests are the singer-songwriter Jonathan Colton, uh, whose brand new album is called Artificial Heart, and the producer of the album, John Flansburg, who's also half of the rock and roll band They Might Be Giants. They Might Be Giants, by the way, also have a brand new rock and roll album called Join Us. Yes. Jonathan, I keep uh, I keep uh, asking for John to pick songs from um, your record for us to listen to. And so I feel like maybe I should ask. Uh, I- I'm guessing that you may have heard the new They Might Be Giants album. Uh, do you have a favorite on it? Uh, absolutely. Uh, Cloisonne uh, is a song that I think John wrote somewhere in the middle of one of my desperate stretches of trying to write songs when I felt stuck and petrified. And uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think it happened somewhere while we were working on my record, too. Is that, is yeah, that right, Yeah, it, it, was, it was at the bitter end. Yeah, bitter and, end. and uh, it, the, the thing I love about it is how it's this, like, it's this, <laughs> I don't know, it's this balloon from outer space, uh, but it's uh, incredibly compelling uh, and catchy. And it, as, a, as a guy who was trying very hard uh, to write songs at that point, the fact that I could I could almost picture the way this sort of slipped out of his head uh, into his fingers, and that I was very jealous. Well, let's hear that song from They Might Be Giants' new album, which is called Join Us. Mind your business, mind your business, mind your never shut quantity hut business. Minecraft is exploding. It's like I'm making cloisonne, choking on my dust with my three blind cats. You have a friend in law enforcement. Don't go calling law enforcement business. Mind your business. 
Jonathan, getting back to your record, um, there are a couple of songs here where you, you know, where a vocalist is billed as featured, but but you essentially turn over the vocals to guest vocalists, um, which is kind of an unusual thing. I mean, usually you just have the guest vocalist harmonize with you on the chorus or something like that or do a rap in the middle or something <laughs> well if it's mc scat cat if you're lucky enough to get mc scat cat <laughs> um and i wonder how it came to be that you wrote a couple of records that i mean there's a beautiful song that suzanne vega sings on the album called now i am an arsonist that is essentially a song that you seem to have written for Suzanne Vega and then put yourself on because you remember that your name is on the cover of the album. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, you know, I think that, um, uh, I don't know where it came from. I think part of it, part of it came from John Flansburg, to be honest. I think that he, you know, he comes from this great band where um, there really are two distinct voices happening um and uh so it was his suggestion uh to to do that i think it was probably the track uh nemesis that we started with uh and it just felt like it just felt like a really nice way of breaking things up uh, making things more interesting and and also you know yet another way for me to uh sort of challenge myself to step a little bit outside of uh, what I'm most comfortable doing. Yeah, I, I mean, if if memory serves, now I'm an arsonist was actually was really written f- with the idea of Suzanne Vega's voice in mind. Absolutely, and yeah. uh, you know she has such a singular uh, sound. Um, it just seemed like an interest. It seemed like a really interesting challenge. I mean, I I I, I don't think I could. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know how to crack that open. But I think the way you did it is very impressive. Oh, I wouldn't know how to do it either. (laughs) I was just an acrobat High above the street Pointing at the ground The empty sky beneath my feet The perfect fall No one could tell at all That it was killing me Just an astronaut floating on a spark Tearing up the atmosphere Burning down the dark as you fell in The heat against your skin Till it got too bright to see Did you ever consider just doing a Suzanne Vega impression? That's kind of what I had to do while I was writing it. You know, I had to imagine that I was Suzanne Vega, which it's not the first time I've done that. Lord knows. Did you did you have to did you have to cut a a, a demo vocal sort of like Eminem trying to do a Dr. Dre voice on one of those leaked <laughs> tracks from the follow up to Chronic Two Thousand One? Well, <laughs> not quite like that, but yeah, I did I did have to I did have to put it in a very high key and sing it in a very high voice, which felt very uncomfortable, and it was still. <laughs> It was still when we, when we started. It was still a little bit too low for her, I think. <laughs> yeah, I, I, well, the um, those the portal songs that you've done for that that uh, that game, um, they're all sung it, it, by a, a female singer with a vocoder, a very heavy vocoder effect. And I have to say, I find the I find the demos that you've done are have are incredibly charming to hear your 
kind of falsetto going through the vocal <laughs> order. It's uh, to me that's that's the hit. Yeah. <laughs> this was a triumph. I'm making a note here. Huge success. It's hard to overstate my satisfaction. Aperture science. We do what we must because we can. For the good of all of us, except the ones who are dead. But there's no sense crying over every mistake. You just keep on trying till you run out of cake. And the science gets done and you make a neat plan for the people who are still alive. Can you describe for me, thinking about, for example, those those songs that you wrote for the Portal video games, which are, are the ones that I described uh, in, your, in your intro as being, you know, bringing together tens of thousands of video game fans, which they have. Um, maybe the most popular songs ever written for a video game. I don't know what how significant of a distinction that is, but... Um, well, when you see the YouTube clips, it's always, you know, 14 million hits or something yeah, really unknowable. Crazy. Kind of a, a amazing and, and wild. And those are, those are songs that are written for the narrative of the video game um, and written for a character in the video game. And it happens to be a, these, these portal games are very critically acclaimed as, you know, they're, they're about as good as it gets in video game world. But... Um, I wonder if you could... Jesse, just... it sounds like you want more out of the video game world. <laughs> <laughs> that you're not satisfied with the state of video games. Weirdly, I am really satisfied with this video game NBA 2K6 uh, that I bought for $5 at the GameStop and is almost the only video game I play. I do play a good amount of it, though. Um, I wonder if you could describe for me the feeling of of starting with a job um starting with a you know an idea you have a a, a a character premise and finding something that you realize is actually about you um uh well you know it doesn't it happens in varying stages i think um i am continually going back and listening to stuff and saying, oh, yeah, I guess that one is about me. You know, that that happens all the time. Um, and so, but it doesn't always happen while I'm doing it. So if you go back to, this is many years ago, there's a song called I Crush Everything uh, about a giant squid who, uh, who, hates himself, who hates himself because he keeps crushing ships. And so he swears off ships. Forever. He, he, he can't keep his hands off them because he loves them so much, but he doesn't want to wreck them. And so he sort of exiles himself to the bottom of the sea. It's a very sad song that sounds like it's going to be very funny. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, I, I wrote that song in the midst of my struggle with uh, whether I was going to continue having a day job as a software designer or quit to become a famous rock star. Uh, and, uh, I really thought I was writing about a giant, I really thought I was writing a funny song about a giant squid all the way through. And even after it was done, uh, and, 
And, and only some time later did I say, oh, duh, that's about me wanting to quit my job. I lie below. You float above. In the pretty white ships that I've been dreaming of. And I'd like to swim beside you, getting dizzy in your wake. Getting close enough to touch you Getting brave enough to take you into my arms And bring you down to be with me But I can't do that thing anymore I can't be the thing I was before Maybe I am better off alone Because I crush everything And I crush everything And I crush everything Jonathan, before we started this interview, we were, you were um, uh, offering me some uh, friend thoughts about babies. Because I just had... I'm actually... As we record this, I'm actually on paternity leave, at least theoretically. And um, I, I well, just you're had... doing a pretty good job. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of father are you? I, I had a baby. I had a baby about. Or my wife had a baby about two and a half weeks ago. And um, you wrote this. You wrote and recorded this song called "You Ruined Everything," which is um, maybe your most direct and literal song. There's no controlling metaphor. I guess the title could be seen as a little bit of a joke premise, but it is the most sincere song that I've ever heard you write in terms of literally being a reflection of you and your feelings. I wonder if you ever sit down to write and think, man, I wish I could just, you know, Joni Mitchell this thing out and just (laughs) find some, some little feeling I'm having and and explode it into a song um, without a metaphor or a character or a joke or even maybe maybe even a, a clever phrase. <laughs> Just pure feelings and the raw power of Jonathan Colton. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that every time I sit down to write a song. Uh, I, <laughs> I don't know. I can't... Um... Do you I think can't you escape th- me, I guess. Do you think you think it too much and that's why you have a hard time doing it? <laughs> yeah, I, I um maybe. I don't I don't know. It's 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 uh it's it's hard. It's hard to be it's hard to be honest. It's hard it's hard to not immediately start for me. It's hard to not immediately start thinking about what other people are going to think about what I'm saying. Um and I, I that's that's something I'm something I'm working on. <laughs> Well, I think we're lucky to have the the beautiful and and hilarious songs that that you do write. So, uh, uh, Jonathan Colton, John Flansburg, thank you so much for being on The Sound of Young America. Hey, thank you. Thank you, Jesse. Jonathan Colton's new album is called Artificial Heart. John Flansburg produced the album. He's half of They Might Be Giants. Their new album is called Join Us. And Jonathan Colton will be traveling the country with They Might Be Giants. You can find the tour schedule online at jonathancolton.com or theymightbegiants.com Despite my better efforts it's all for you The 
worst kind of cliche. I'll be with you till the day you leave. You ruined everything in the nicest way. As Omar Khayyam wrote, "Ah, uh, fill the cup." What boots it to repeat how time is slipping underneath our feet, unborn tomorrow and dead yesterday. Why fret about them if today be sweet? The only thing you have to fret about, friends, is that the sound of Young America is over for another week. I have been your host, Jesse Thorne. The show produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Producer Julia Smith. Our intern is Colin Walzak. That's Colin with two L's for those of you keeping score at home. If you can't wait till next week for more of The Sound of Young America, be sure to visit us online at MaximumFun.org. You will find not only a podcast of this program and all our past programs, but also of our sister programs like Jordan Jesse Go, which is sort of like The Sound of Young America, only with no interviews and a lot more vulgarity. If you have thoughts about the show, you can always email me at jesse at MaximumFun.org. J-E-S-S-E at MaximumFun.org. Okay, that's all. We'll see you next time on The Sound of Young America.